Hello, this is Tom Godar. I am very excited to introduce our series of podcasts. We've titled it The Labor Law Insider. I will be joined by my colleagues and thought leaders from around the country to talk about the issues that will affect you, our clients, and our friends over the next three or four years. We think under the Biden administration, and just because labor law is always wild, that we're in for quite a ride. Buckle up, settle in, and enjoy the next series of podcasts with us. Well, welcome to our initial podcast in our um, labor law series. We're really looking forward to this. I'm Tom Godar, and uh, I'm going to be joined today by Kat Pearlstone and Rafino uh, Gaetan. I'll give them more of an introduction in a moment, but let me tell you a little bit about where we're going. This is uh, the Labor Law Insider, and the first uh, podcast is about the Biden administration, expected changes at the NLRB. You know, the NLRB sets national labor policy, and the politics of the party in power really define in important ways um, how the Department of Labor, and in our case, the National Labor Relations Board, interprets the laws, um, enforces the laws, and quite honestly, we've seen over the last 20 or 30 years a pendulum swing each time there's been a new administration. And um, our belief is that it may actually swing a little bit harder um, over each administration, at least in the last um, 12 or 16 years, going from you know the Bush era to the Obama era, back to Trump, and then moving on to the Biden administration. And that's what we thought might be of really great interest to our clients and our friends. What can we expect um, as the Biden administration puts Im its imprint on the national labor uh, law policies? And we think uh, this is importantly going to affect not just of you, just those of you who have union relationships or those of you who might one day be subject to an organizing campaign, but the National Labor Relations Board under the Obama administration and we believe under the Biden administration will want to be very um, relevant to non-union employers. Uh, they were under uh, uh, President Obama's leadership, and we believe they will become more relevant, if you will, to non-union employers under um, this new administration. As I said, I am joined by two experts um, in labor uh, law that are uh, with me today. First, we have Kat uh, Pearlstone. Kat has been working in our labor group advising clients on the nuances as well as the big picture issues for many years. And uh, Rufino uh, Gaitan has joined us from our Houston office. Um, and we're lucky to have them because they're two of the luckiest people I know. Um, Kat um, was introduced, at least she introduced me to her luck story, when she was at a horse race. She is not a horse race aficionado. I don't even know that she had, what do they call it, a cheat sheet or something like that. But she picked the horse because she liked the name. Of course, the name of the horse didn't help much because it had really long odds. But as it went around the track, there it is, she had won. Uh, congratulations on that great pick, Kat. And Rafino is likewise lucky as could be. He was telling me about his... Uh, golf career and he said that he has no golf career he hardly ever golfs but by the third time he golfed he had a hole in one Rafino, i've had a lot of rounds never even close that's fantastic we're hope that we're hoping that they're just as lucky in uh, handicapping the um, uh, action of the nlrb as it moves into this new era under the Biden administration 
I guess the the question is, you know, who cares? I mean, if we have a, a new administration, I've suggested that that uh, elections have consequences, but why don't we find out a little bit more about what Kat and uh, Rafino think about the potential large picture uh, impact of elections and consequences in the Biden administration? Um, this is a toss-up round, but uh, why don't I throw it to Kat first? Talk, tell us a little bit about some of the things that we can expect or that we've already seen. Absolutely, Tom. So, you know, I think we can expect Biden to continue along the same kind of trends of being aggressively pro-union that he had during his campaign. You know, you can look at his words. Biden has pledged multiple times to be the most labor-friendly president that the United States of America has ever had. And you can also look at his actions. Um, you know, he is pushing really hard to get the PRO Act, which is um, an acronym for the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, um, passed. He's trying to include it in an infrastructure bill. And for just a very big picture summary, PRO Act would completely redefine the federal labor law landscape and make it incredibly union and employee friendly. Um, the other thing you look at is just his actions from his first week in office. You know, within 24 hours of the inauguration in January, he issued an ultimatum to the then uh, board general counsel, Peter Robb, who had been no uh, nominated for the role under the Trump era and told him he had 24 hours to resign or he would be terminated. Peter Robb refused to resign and he was immediately let go. And um, it's really unprecedented action that's never happened before. Um, every other prior president, including President Trump, has allowed the opposing party's general counsel to complete their tenure. Um, you know, President Biden didn't really stop there. Um, once he got rid of Peter Robb, he gave the same ultimatum to the uh, deputy general counsel, and she was quickly fired. And he then put in place an interim um, general counsel, Peter Orr, from the Chicago office, which those of you in Illinois will be familiar with. It's an incredibly aggressive office. It's a very pro-employee office, even though they're supposed to be facially neutral. Um, and he has kept in line with this go, go, go mentality. You know, even as an interim, he he told the press and he's stuck by it that he is not going to be a potted plant. Um, until they get someone new in the office, he's gonna he's going to do everything he can to basically dismantle Peter Robb's legacy. Uh, Rafino, did he actually? That is. Um acting general counsel, or did he actually take some steps to change things? He has, Tom. Um, so Peter Orr has already rescinded numerous um, general counsel guidance memoranda that were issued by his predecessor, uh, Peter Robb. And so he's already aggressively pushing um, towards um, a reversing course from some of the more employer-friendly initiatives of the Trump-era board. And, you know, the, the other issue that um, he has already signaled will become a, a, a big issue under this administration is, you know, he's already pushing for the expansion of employee rights in, in informal ways as well. Publicly, he's acknowledged that, you know, he's going to push for um, expanding employee rights as they relate to social justice issues. So even, you know, political protests, political activity, those sorts of things, to the point where it wasn't just a public statement, but also his own 
uh, general guidance or a general counsel uh, memorandum that it was issued to all of the regional directors on March 31st. So they're, they're very aggressive in the approach, both in terms of reversing course and then uh, undertaking their own uh, new initiatives as well. So some of our clients, to follow up on that, would have employees who might be interested in the protest for $15 an hour minimum wage or protests um, regarding Black Lives Matter. And so they choose not to go to work for a day. Is that the kind of protected activity that would be perhaps included in what at least we're hearing as a potential? That's correct. So the the way that um, the general counsel or, or Mr. Orr, the interim general counsel has addressed the issue is to say that if there is a direct nexus to employees, quote, interests as employees um, between what they're advocating for publicly and, and their job. So if there's some connection to the workplace under this administration, the goal is to protect that type of activity. Well, that's, uh, you know, I'm certainly without a value judgment, that's a, that's a new thought. Do, do we know, by the way, Kat, um, who the nominee is to take on the role that apparently um, Peter Orr has um, for a limited time as an interim? Yes, we do. Um, President Biden has nominated Jennifer Abruzzo for general counsel. It is expected to be um, a contentious nomination in part because of her history um, she was a former, she's a former deputy general counsel from the Obama era board. So she's going to be really in line with those policies. And I think a lot of people expect her to reinstate them and then expand upon them. Um, and she currently serves as legal counsel for the communication workers of America. So she has a lot of strong union ties. There has been some rumblings from Republicans in the Senate of opposing her in part because of her record and also because of President Biden's treatment of Mr. Robb and trying to take a stance there. Um, but if Ms. Abruzzo is confirmed, you know, I the the topics that she's going to touch on are going to expand on, on your point, Tom, well beyond unionized workforces. Um, I would expect there to be a significant focus on employee handbooks, facially neutral policies, and specifically social media policies, and what kind of conduct an employee or what kind of limitations employers can put on employee social media. Well, let me ask you know one of the the tough question, Rafino. Thirty seconds. What are these protections that the National Labor Relations Act offers under Section Seven that they can use? That is the new administration as their jumping off point to create perhaps new or at least strengthened protections for unions or employees? Yeah, so Section 7 of the NLRA, uh, one, it applies to all workforces, uh, union and non-union, but it protects employees' ability to engage in uh, protected concerted activities and anything that has to do with their working conditions, their hours of work, wages, those sorts of things. If they engage in any sort of group activity, or activity for the benefit of a group, it is typically protected under Section 7 of the NLRA. And Kat, I understand that uh, Concerted has a sunny, sort of funny thought. You'd I'd think that's you and me working together. But if I just say something that like they'll use the word we aren't treated well, that somehow becomes Concerted activity, right? Oh, absolutely. Even a like on Facebook. It doesn't even have to be a comment. A simple like has been held to be concerted activity. And there are some instances where it can be um, 
one person speaking. And as long as it's a topic that addresses multiple people and it's not seen as a personal grievance, even if it's a solo communication, it still qualifies under that concerted activity. Wow. So I, I know that uh, commentators and frankly, Hush Blackwell is among them that are protect, uh, predicting some fairly significant changes that are going to deal with social media policies. They're going to deal with uh, the employer's emails, how you're going to put together handbooks that deal with this idea of protected um, concerted activities. Uh, we also anticipate that under the Biden administration that unions might be emboldened to increase their organizing activity. But let me get a little bit more background on how this works. We've talked about how significant a general counsel is. We've talked about the significance of regional uh, leadership like Peter Orrard of Chicago. Give me a little bit of an idea as to how quote, law gets made. And we're not talking about the PRO Act, which to employers ought to be really disconcerting. That's legislation. Uh, we're talking about uh, activities that create board law without going through the legislative process. Why don't you kick that off, Rafino? How does that work? Sure. So obviously at, at the very top, there's a five-member, assuming it's a fully staffed board, it's a five-member uh, panel. Uh, based out of Washington, D.C., they issue written decisions and opinions on cases that come before the board. Um, but really, the, the more immediate impact for employers is felt at the regional level. And every regional director um, takes his or her marching orders essentially from the general counsel. And so the general counsel um, has uh, a, a lot of sway in what the enforcement priorities are going to be under any given administration. So the general counsel, like we said earlier, will issue guidance memoranda to all the regional directors. Um, the Office of Advice also provides legal advice to the general counsel. They take positions on interpreting um, certain aspects of the law and and under specific circumstances that might arise at certain uh, regions. So the immediate impact is felt by employers at the regional level from the moment that they receive a notice of an unfair labor practice charge, a union election petition, or any other proceeding before the board, um, the, the administration's agenda is already uh, in play without any sort of delay in confirmation hearings, any of those um, types of, of political issues. Well, Kat, you talked, and I think both of you mentioned the, the firing of Peter Robb um, as general counsel. Uh, unprecedented, I believe, was the word used. Um, I'm told that there's going to uh, be a challenge to actions that come out of that general counsel office because of uh, Robb's uh, firing. Maybe, Kat, you could tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, and, and the challenges have already, the battleground has been set. Um, you know, I, this really came up with once Mr. or Peter Orr took over office, in addition to rescinding memorandum and issuing his own guidance, one of the things that he did to kind of change course was to try to withdraw from cases that Peter Robb had been progressing to make changes to federal labor law. Um, and as employers are having their cases um, dismissed, they are filing objections, basically stating that he is not a properly placed general counsel and he does not have the authority to withdraw their cases on their behalf. Um, you know, the board hasn't, it's going to be a process. 
I wouldn't expect for us to know if they're if the if these kind of challenges are going to be successful for realistically 12 to 18 months because it's going to have to work its way up through the board and there's the potential of courts getting involved with enforcement. But this is not unprecedented. It, the idea of overturning a, a bulk of decisions um, back in 2014, there was a ruling that the board had been improperly staffed um, and there was hundreds of decisions that were overturned and the board then had to scramble and kind of redo every, all of the work they had done. So there is the possibility of that happening here. And really what that means for employers in the practical sense is just turmoil. That, uh, you know, that doesn't augur um, sort of easy decision making uh, for our clients going down the road, trying to figure out if the rules that we have uh, today, seemingly, um, that might have been implemented under the Trump administration are those that we ought to follow or the rules that might be anticipated um, under the Biden administration uh, are those that we ought to anticipate. It's That's a little difficult because there's a whole process and then ultimately there's a court system that says you got it right or you got it wrong. And they don't always agree with um, with whatever the, uh, the NLRB says is today's interpretation. Um, but as I understand it, the idea of precedent that we think of as so important within the court system bows quite significantly to um, the administration's view of labor policy. I find it uh, finding a little bit ironic that uh, um, President uh, Biden um, had the chance to take on uh, President Trump's old role of saying you're fired uh, to the general counsel. Uh, but that's really, uh, other than the uncertainty about whether he should have fired him at that time, that's not unprecedented in terms of changing policy from one administration to another, is it? it it's not, Tom. It, the NLRB in particular has been known for quite some time as one of these federal agencies that does change course on some important issues from a Republican administration to Democratic administration and vice versa. The sort of alarming thing that we see now as labor practitioners is the degree to which these changes are, are happening. Um, you know, they are, are significant, whether it's significant expansion of protections for employees, like we talked about with some of the social justice issues and whether they relate to the workplace at all, or or if it's a very employer-friendly swing in the pendulum, like under the Trump administration, there used to be degrees of, of variation and, and, and disagreement as to what the law actually protected and what it prohibited. And what we're seeing now is really just much more aggressive swings in both directions. And and I think that is, it makes it difficult for employers practically to try to keep up. It makes it difficult for us as attorneys to keep up, uh, you know, much less employers. But um, the other challenge that that poses is if you are an employer who has been complying with board law under the uh, Trump administration, and now you're faced with the possibility, a very real possibility, that everything is going to do a 180. It puts you as the employer in a bind. It potentially makes you the next test case to go before the NLRB, and that process is disruptive. It's costly, and even if you eventually get to the the outcome you desire at the Court of Appeals, uh, you're talking about 
you know, untold amounts of money just to get to that right decision for your organization. So decision making is going to have to be strategic. By the way, when will this board flip? Right now, it's still got a majority of appointees under the Trump administration. I think it's three to one, although um, the chairman of the board is uh, appointed by the president. So the chairman of the board, just like the Rob decision, was flipped literally within days of uh, Biden's ascendancy to the presidency. Um, so now this, the lone Democratic member of the National Labor Relations Board is its chair. When will we see opportunities for President Biden to appoint um, new members to see that as a majority reflecting his policies, Kat? Sure. So there's currently one vacant seat, um, and the next uh, vacancy will come up in August of this year. I believe it's Member Emanuel's, um, his term is ending. And I would expect to see nominations from the Biden board in the coming months. I think they'll put it out maybe a month or two before the seat's expected to be vacant with, depending on how contentious it is, um, a confirmation process following in the fall. So um, the the game has started. Uh, the rules have changed and are changing. Um, you're going to have to be st- uh, thinking strategically about when you review your handbook, for instance, when you're making disciplinary decisions, when you're encouraging communications, when you're even looking at how you're going to control your own email, you're going to have to say, what is the rule today? What's it likely to be tomorrow? Or has it already changed? Um, But before we get there, and I just want to get sort of a big picture, what are a handful of the things that, um, that were policy, if you will, under the uh, President Obama's administration that found their way um, to a different view under the Trump administration board and might find their way back. Just give me give me sort of a 40,000-foot view of what uh, some of those changes are. Rafina, why don't you start, and then Kat, you can follow. Thanks, Tom. So some of the changes that we anticipate will be in the areas of uh, access to employee, or I'm sorry, to employer Uh, email systems and just IT systems in general. So does a union and its employees have, or the employees have a right to uh, use those types of employer resources for uh, union purposes, um, other protected concerted activity, or to see employer? Let me, uh, I'm just making sure I understood what you're saying. Does the union or its representatives get to use an employer's email system? Correct. So there's this issue has been a hot button issue for some time. And under the Obama administration, there was a, a change in course where the board said, yes, unions have some access to those systems. Um, under the Trump administration, it went the other way. The employer's property rights prevail over any other secondary um, rights. And we anticipate that we might see a return right. to the more union employee friendly version of that. Okay, that's that's 40,000 foot. We'll get into a little bit more detail on our next podcast. Kat, give us another example of what employers might uh, have to anticipate as uh, being a changing mark in this new Biden administration board. You know, I think big picture, you should just expect changes in how you're able to administer your work rules and general management of your workforce, as crazy as that sounds. Um, And this is for all employers. I would expect a tax on facially neutral workplace rules, especially anything related to social media, confidentiality, um, insignia, what you can wear in the workplace. Um, And as 
Rufino was saying, days off for protest or um, other maybe politically motivated activities. And even beyond that, um, really core things that I don't think anyone would expect someone to go against, which is, you know, the ability to prohibit abusive workplace conduct. And that's going beyond just even profanity, but, you know, an employer's ability to prevent discriminatory conduct, harassing conduct. Um, it's there. It's going to be a wild ride. Hey, this is this is way too much fun, uh, but I think that we're going to. Um, uh, finish our first podcast on those cheery notes um, that uh, employers uh, keep your eyes open. We'll be back very soon um, with our follow-up podcast. We're going to give uh, Kat and Rafino a chance to uh, share a little bit more detail um, with you, our friends and our clients, as to how you might prepare for the changes that are coming. We've very much enjoyed bringing um, our first uh, podcast, Labor Law Insider, uh, the Biden administration, expected changes at the NLRB. Kat, thank you very much. Rafino, thank you very much for truly being insiders on this podcast. Thank you for, Thanks having, for us. having us. Great. Until next time. Thank you.